This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, it's a, a very lovely. I have somebody I haven't seen for ages actually, which is very remiss of me. But a lovely, warm, warm welcome, a warm Chelsea fan cast welcome to the absolute delight and lovely person that is Alex Churchill, the girl who loves balls. And uh, first of all, Alex, how are you? Good man. I just like to take this opportunity to apologise for any time. I fucked you off on the podcast by talking over someone or leaving a horrible pause or just waffling because now having edited and I on a hundred podcasts myself, including a mass brawl of Band of Brothers actors, I understand your pain. Yeah, I know. I mean, you don't need to apologize at all because it kind of, you know, it it makes the show what it is. And uh, I mean, I, I can tell you if you don't know already that actually everybody who listens to the fan cast absolutely loves you. And loves it when you're on there because you you bring such a completely different dynamic to it. And I should be apologising really for being such a grumpy old sod and moaning at everybody while I'm doing it. So, but I, at least you'll understand why I do, I suppose. Yes. So there we go. Anyway, it's another edition of my Chelsea. So we we all get to kind of discover really, you know, how you found Chelsea and what your experiences of it have been. Which is lovely because, of course, it's unique to all of us. You know, everybody's got their own story. But I mean, how how did you how did you become a Chelsea fan? So my dad hated football. Um, he thought it was uh, he preferred he preferred rugby, but not really. I mean, he was from Asia, so he was into cricket. But he just thought football was hooligans and fighting and shit. I mean, I never forget the first uh, my first memories of football are. Um, Italia 90 so I would have been really little but I do remember was it just before Italia 90 or was it the year after where Tottenham played Forest in a cup final year after 91 yeah so I I have a memory of by that point I was interested in football um because I was following the boys at school and um I had the pro set football cards um which have scarred me and my relationship or lack of one thereof with Kerry Dixon, but I can explain that later. Uh, but I remember I had a Gary Mabbott card and I jumped up and down on it in the front room because I hated Tottenham and I wanted Forrest to win. Uh, I, I must have been five. How, my how dad come was you... like, I don't know. I had no, I mean, I'd been not been told, but I just didn't want Tottenham to win. Wow. And I hated Gary Mabbott's face. And I remember putting it on the living room floor and jumping up and down on it to express my displeasure. Yeah. 
the Gary Mabbott. I think it was because my first ever crush was Gary Crosby and Steve Chettle. I was five or six years old. For some reason, these two men mesmerised me. I look at pictures of them now and I'm like, ugh. But anyway, uh, my dad said that that's why you're not allowed to go to football and that's why we don't follow football in this house because it brings out behaviour like that. Brings out the inner violence. I've seen you stagger back after one of day three of one of the tests looking pretty much like you're drowning in your own vomit. So don't give me that. I remember thinking at that age, you don't behave that well at cricket either. Um, But yeah, so I didn't, I wasn't born with a team, wasn't given a team, um, couldn't go to football until I could go under my own uh, steam, which is why the first matches I went to uh, were Millwall, because they were cheap. (laughs) So yeah, I had to do it myself, but it was a boy at school. We've all heard this story before and you've all taken the piss out of me before. Uh, It's Tom Hunter, who apparently still sits in the Matthew Harding lower somewhere. I was completely in love with him at school and he was a Chelsea fan. So half the school, being where I'm from in South West London, you're equal distance between Palace and Stamford Bridge. And um, half it was half and half mm. at the time because Palace weren't yet shit. And uh, it's mostly Chelsea around here now with a few weird gooners. But um, yeah, I followed him. So that was Chelsea. I started collecting the pro set football cards and everyone in the school had Kerry Dixon except me. People started getting two or three Kerry Dixons and I still didn't have a Kerry Dixon. I had about 55 Gary Mabbots. But I still never in my life. So, Kerry Dixon, if you're listening and you have a ProSet football card from that season, I'd much appreciate it if you would hand it over because I earned it. So, what, 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 you know, what kind of years are we talking about here? I think that's that's that season. That's like ninety one. Ninety one. Yeah. So, Kerry would have been in pretty much his last season for Chelsea. Yeah, but yeah. I remember that was the one everyone wanted. And for some reason, no one could get hold of it. And then everybody started getting him. And then people started getting smug about, I've got another Gary Dixon. And I'd still be sitting there with my multiple Gary Mabbots just crying. Mm. It's a very emotional time. Yeah. Uh, Particularly when you've got that many Gary Mabbots. Because even at that age, you wouldn't be able to stamp on them all, I suspect, in the time that you had. Yeah. So I've I've actually, I've really been, I mean, I'm not trying to blow smoke up your ear or anything here. But I've been really looking forward to doing this edition of My Chelsea with you, Alex. Because, you know, most of us who've done them... Uh, I mean, a couple of honourable exceptions, but you know we're all about the same age, so that means we tend to talk about the same eras of, of the football. Whereas you're, you know, bless your heart, you're a lot younger than us, so it's really interesting to hear, you know, your story starting in the nineties. Whereas for most of us, it was either the seventies or actually some of us the sixties. Mm. So it, it it really does fascinate me the fact that we're going to have a slightly different journey today. But you're talking about Hunter. Is it Tim Hunter? Who, who Tom. Tom Hunter, you're madly in love with. Yeah. Now, did, did he take you to your first game? No. no. God, I haven't seen him since one of our classmates died when we were like, oh, my God, I can't even remember. Someone that was at our school died. No, I've not seen him for decades. Uh, no, uh, with my friend uh, Patsy on the blog, the incredibly smutty, uh, <laughs> she who once said that maternity trousers, um, she could still get in a size 12 because they have an elasticated waistband and they were easy access for Ed and Hazard and stuff like that. We, um, we sneaked off to our first Chelsea game and we were very young and we were naughty because it was away to West Ham. Oh, right. We had no comprehension. We weren't even allowed to go into London at this point alone. Um, And we decided to get on the tube and go to Upton Park and go and watch uh, Chelsea in, I think it's 98. Yeah. Is that what we've worked it out to be? Because it's the one where Kasaragi does his knee. That's right. Uh, So we had got ourselves membership books and uh, I'm a little fuzzy on what my first game is date-wise because um, that season we went to see, I took my ba- like little brother, he was very young at the time, uh, to the Hertha Berlin game. Oh, yeah. So that might have been before. Uh, or, um, no, I think that might have been after it because this is the 98-99 season. There's another game as well that I distinctly remember um, against Leeds where we sat in the West Lower um, before it had the top tier on it. And um, there was a floodlight in our way and I've never been so cold in my life. And literally everybody left at half time because it was so cold. Wow. So what do you what do you remember about uh, the well, obviously, you know, oh, poor old Kazaragi. Uh, you know, got horrible. And I think that was the game that got, you know, injured him out of the game, wasn't it? Uh, <clears throat> do you remember much about that? I don't remember much about the actual game. Um, I must admit, my memories of it are the injury and um, the fact that when we had this middle-aged guy next to us and uh, 
Sharon already had a very well developed chest, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Chelsea did Chelsea score in that game because what well, something happened and he used it as an excuse to clamp both hands on her boobs and uh, of she was because we underage at the time, um, so it was basically statutory rape i remember that and i remember how long it took them to get the stretcher yeah i remember that in the end dennis wise ran over this is in my head i don't know if it's real dennis wise ran over and had the stretcher and was standing on the side of the pitch basically saying come on you fuckwits he's really badly hurt um and in the end they got the stretcher on and took him off and i think they walked him right past us and i think we both said to each other i don't think he's going to play again that looks horrible yeah but i don't remember the goals or i had to look up the result or you sent me some notes um i i really do just remember that well we we played very well and battered them of course this is under under viali of course and yeah. uh the, the 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 things that really you know cuz you know i think the lovely thing about doing these these uh, versions of the fan cast as we get to see all this footage from games that we've completely forgotten about and it does remind mm-hmm. us it's fascinating how it does i mean i forgot for example that bloody fatty ruddock scored a free kick i know i watched the highlights and i was like oh my god it's ruddock and he's running I know. if he tried to run now he'd keel over unbelievable and i mean awful spawny free kick which kind of like you know bobbled along for about 30 yards and went past big old you know, oh, it's one of those goals where the goal. player that scores, you're like, oh, and it's huge. You remember when yeah. the other season when Jordan Henderson yeah. scored the only world class yeah. goal that Jordan Henderson is ever going to score, and you're just indignant. I remember that I was indignant because I remember thinking he's fat and old, he, but he ran. Yeah, yeah. He actually broke into a jog to celebrate. He which did. Was... Well, he was quite excited that he scored. But the other interesting thing that, of course, I, 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 you know, I mean, we all know this anyway. But a very, very, very young. Uh, complete with puppy, uh, puppy, puppy, puppy foot. Bloody hell! Get my teeth in. That's going to have to get into that. Uh, a very young, complete with puppy fat, uh, Frank Lampard standing next oh. to Ruddock when he took the free kick. Do you know as well? I'm pretty sure at half time they bought a 16 year old Joe Cole out onto the pitch to sign his contract with West Ham, right. wow. and that all the Chelsea fans were singing, "Fuck that side for us instead." <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, anyway, we ended up drawing one all. Uh, Torre Andre Flo came on for the poor old uh, Pei Luigi Casaragi, and did, uh, yeah. and we scored in the seventy sixth minute with a, and a brilliant goal. I say brilliant because it wasn't at all, but basically a cross corner, I think it was. Uh, and I think uh, I can't, can't remember who headed it across the goal. Might have been Flo, of course. And uh, it kind of bounced, hit a West Ham player, came out, and then Babiaro leapt up like a terrier and headed it in from about a yard. And then whizzed off, and then Gus Poyer uh, encouraged him to do his double double somersault, which of course he was famous for. Which I really yes. enjoyed. I really enjoyed seeing that again, and also I enjoyed uh, the, the awful commentary from from Spy, uh, who, who 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 I forgot this when he commentated on those. Kind of, you used to get him in the year end videos, didn't you? Yes. And uh, and he was always so miserable and down on Chelsea. But the funny thing was when Kazaragi got injured, he was going, where's the stretcher? He was like really worried. It was kind of odd how it came across, but there you go. I mean, he was clearly in agony the yeah. second he went down, wasn't he? Yeah. So um, given that you're a, a 90s girl, um, so it kind of it's a really weird time because, you know, we, uh, you know, one of my favourite seasons is the is the, the promotion season, 88-89. And then in kind of the early 90s, Kerry goes, it all gets a bit pear-shaped. We end up with bloody Ian Porterfield as manager. And we, we and then Hoddle comes in and it all changes around. And then suddenly we've got all these foreigners playing for us, people like Rude Hullet and, and Viali and Zola. And it's a very, very, very different Chelsea. Very exciting time to be a Chelsea fan. So out of that, I mean, you know, who, who are your, your uh, favourite players growing up and who was your Chelsea hero? Um, My Chelsea hero when I was growing up was Graham Lasseau. Really? I was obsessed. I had his pictures all over my biology folder. I had posters all over my wall. I named my hamsters after him. Our class mascot at school, because he actually, if you look at him sometimes, looked like, you know, one of those trolls that were all the rage with the vertical hair? He didn't look dissimilar. And I had one um, that was like a soft body one with the troll head yeah, and it 
became our class mascot and its nickname was Baby Graham. But we won like literally every sporting thing going one year with Baby Graham as our mascot. Um, we, yeah, I was absolutely besotted, obsessed um, and mortified when I met him and he was mean to me. So he's no longer my Chelsea hero and he can sod off. Why was he mean to you? He was just really snotty. I think it was at a cup final or something and he was signing for some people. And I was with Sam, my Chelsea bro. And uh, he... Uh, can you see that? Yeah, I can see you showing me your mobile with Grand Lasso's number. So I phone him now? Him. Yeah, no, tell no, him I'm he's not an arsehole. He, so, he was so mean. I think I was still... I, this was like this was after he'd retired and years after. And I still I was quite nervous when I saw him. And I don't get nervous about famous people. I don't get all like... Oh. But um, Sam asked for me and said, like, would you sign this one as well? And he just decided that was the last moment he wanted anything to do with the fans. And he said, oh, I'm too busy for all of that. And just turned his back and walked away. And I thought, I got a paper round at 13 and I'm small. Do you have any idea what it's like as a 13-year-old trying to drag the Sunday Times for 20 pseudo-middle-class people in Sutton around on your back on a bicycle seven days a week to try and fund a football shirt with that man's name on the back? Um, <laughs> because my dad would have nothing to do with football. He wouldn't let me have football shirts. So I saved for the Red England shirt with his name and number on the back. And uh, the one time I ever met him, he was horrible to me. So no, Well, it does happen like that. I mean, I worked with Soxie uh, in 2006 same time I got to know people like Les Ferdinand and, and the lovely, dearly departed, lamented Ray Wilkins. And, and Graham was, was, I liked him, but he's different. He's, I just he, found him really rude. Yeah, he's quite, I don't know, I think he's a bit shy. I mean, I kind of like see him as kind of a, a, a dark version of Pat Nevin. What I mean by that, not because they're completely different players, but Pat's a very engaging, I mean, you know, they're both really quite intelligent. They both read The Guardian, that kind of thing. But uh, whereas Pat's really very warm and engaging, Graham's quite distant. And I mean, they do say it's it's kind of very much to do with the island mentality, of course, because he's an islander, isn't he? Because he's from Guernsey, mm. I think, or Jersey. Jersey. And they are a bit different. But 17th of October, 1969. Yeah, Jersey. but we, we tried no, to... No, 68. Oh, I've got a state of birth we, we tried to, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, because he's kind of part of the crew in a way, you know. And I mean, the one thing I remember about Soxie was that he... Uh, He's just got a very different sense of humour that really isn't very funny. <laughs> I, just, I made my piece with how much I now dislike him um, because I someone said to me, oh, if you want to feel better about Graham Lasso, you should see what a complete arse he made out of himself on Dancing on Ice. Some oh, I, I didn't see that. Strictly come dancing, yeah, but on ice yeah, or something. Maybe. And he looked, he looked like a tit. I mean, look, what, me up. when I made this TV series, I, I, had, I was in control of a team of about 20 lads football mad lads you know hardcore football drinking smoking bad lads i mean it was just like my dreams come true it was a bit, it was a bit you like, gave him some shit didn't you well it was a bit like being, <laughs> being you know being made a captain of a, a bit like we were talking about band of brothers earlier on it was a bit like you know being dick winters in charge of a bunch of gnarly old troopers but there was a real bond there and we really got on with each other and had an absolute steaming laugh um, but uh, the thing I remember about Graham Lasso, he he got us all because we used to have to get their dinner in. You see, because they'd sit there and watch uh, a couple of World Cup games with us, and then we'd do a show. And uh, we used to have to get takeaways delivered to us. And we found this place in Battersea. Can't remember the name of it now. But he got us. He he was he moaned about the fact that we'd we'd basically always just live on pizza and shit. And and so he he made us change our diets, and he had us all eating Sfizio salad within a week. <laughs> he's no fun is he no I think it was really disappointing because he was my idol and he was really mean uh, there was an incident afterwards where I pointed out to him he was quite rude and oh. he was rude again so uh, yeah I'm not I'm just not bothered anymore to be honest I've, others, I others growing say, up I mean more recent heroes Terry yeah. I was Terry over Lampard when I was young so he is a few years older than me um, so but but not you would you would go oh you're you're the same age you're not it's not that different mm. um so i idolized him i he's the one so i i probably didn't after the initial um love for chelsea i probably went away for a few years uh, i started at an all girls school where it wasn't really fashionable and the boys weren't around to sort of keep me up to date on stuff um and i didn't get to play football in every break time because the girls were boring and wanted to make friendship bracelets and talk about boys which was just shit um so i 
sort of drifted away, but uh, came back in about 96, 97 uh, to Chelsea. And then pretty much so from then, right up until a couple of years ago, my everlasting memory of Chelsea, they all involved John Terry in some way, shape or form. I love Lampard too, I do, but I, I have memories of him playing for West Ham. It's not quite the same for me Ooh, as Terry, yeah. who obviously I, I never saw wearing another shirt um, that mattered, really. Mm. I had no objection to him going and playing a few games for Villa, yeah. get another season of playing time. Um, I'd never got any objection when people like Czech moved or Kudicini. They earned the right, after all their service, to go and do what they wanted, I think. Um, and the same with Lampard at City, even if he did score against us. Mm. Scamp. But uh, no, so John Terry, definitely. And I say, Lissau is the only negative thing I've ever um had with meeting one of my Chelsea heroes, John Terry, I've met a few times and he's just a gentleman. Um, Ray Wilkins as well is absolutely lovely. I, we had a bumpy start because he didn't get that I was joking about something. He was sat right next to us at Fulham and I made a joke about the sprinklers um, because he looked quite indignant when he got a bit wet and I had my hair down and I ended and straightened and everything. And I said, well, I know what you're moaning about. You haven't even got any hair. Um, <laughs> and I think he thought I was being mean. Um, but then I laughed and he kind of went, oh, I'm sorry if you thought I was angry. Oh, like, no, 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 it wasn't. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I said, you probably didn't expect some obnoxious girl next to you to start mocking your bald head. I'm sorry. That was a bit out of order. Uh, but he was lovely that's, and he celebrated with us so uh, when Louise scored. Yeah, that that yeah. worldy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, that's the only negative thing I've ever had. And, and John Terry all the way. Uh, I was in love with Michael Ballack, uh, who wasn't Drogba. I adore um yeah, so I just I drifted away again probably a bit when I was starting off on my research thing as well. I didn't really I got no real memories of Chelsea from about two thousand to about two thousand and four. That's convenient. Yeah, so I was doing other things. Like my memory of the, you know, the FA Cup final um, in, in 2007, 97. No, 97, is that I didn't get to watch most of it because we lived in a block of flats with a huge shared garden. Um, so obviously I saw Robbie <laughs> score um, and I invited these two poor girls from my school around who didn't give a shit about football, but promised him a picnic. And my mum, my mum, bless her, made like a little football themed tea for us snacks for during the game and everything and then some child in a nearby flat poured boiling water on themselves and a helicopter landed in the back garden no. we like, fuck the football wow. yeah there was a helicopter in wow. our back garden so yeah wow okay um so favorite matches growing up um i i know i know of at least two uh do you want to talk about the stoke game first do you know what that just for sheer unadulterated joy because it for me that is, i've I can't stand Tony Pulis and I can't stand <laughs> what he stands for. And Tony Pulis at Stoke for me was just the epitome of shithousery. It wasn't football. And he employed that to the max on that day in 2009. And somehow the cretins had gone ahead. Rory fucking Delap. We're all sitting there worrying about his throw-ins before the game. And that bell end goes and scores against us. I just, it was absolutely horrific. Uh, there was a blatant penalty. I remember on Kalu. Yeah that wasn't given. Um, and it was just one of those days of absolute hapless Chelsea where you can't actually do any more, but you just can't get it done. And obviously it was under Scolari. So the fact that your manager was standing on the sidelines dressed as a wannabe sex offender, not looking very interested or just looking as baffled as you are, which you don't want. You want him to have some idea of what to do and how to fix it. Um, and he bought on Maluda, which I was just like, what is that going to do? And then he bought on Belletti. Um, and then, of course, Belletti scored with his head, which is almost as unlikely as um, Rory Delap. And somehow on 88 minutes, we were getting a point. But I, a point was useless at that time. Um, we needed three points. And Peter Walton, who even now, because of that game, when I see him um, on, you know, BT, when he does the refereeing thing. Yeah. I look at him and I think, you, because he was not nice to us that day. Um, but then Frank came along and scored his 400th game for Chelsea, banged that goal in in the 95th minute. The whole Stoke team collapsed on the floor in utter misery because they had worked so hard not to win. They had worked so hard to deny Chelsea winning. There's a difference. And, and I was in the shed lower that day and I was just under the overhang. So all the noise was magnified. Um and it was packed, and I just remember the roof came off the stadium. It was epic. I loved that day. I really did. And yeah. I wish we still were capable of doing that, but that's something we've lost, that ability to 
I feel anyway that team knew how to fight to the wire. Well, there were some real fighters in that yeah. team. I mean, you know, let's let's be frank. This is arguably. I mean, that's such a weird season, isn't it? Really, because that's arguably, you know, of the of that kind of era of Chelsea, the best team we had, and yet we just bloody hired that absolute pillock Scolari. And I, I remember because this was also, you know, um, just trying to think actually. That was the first proper season that we started doing the fan cut. I mean, we started in 2008, but we started at the end of the season. Of course, we'd just been to Moscow, hadn't we? And oh, lo- yeah, and I'm lost. just looking at it as well, and I was wrong. So it wasn't, sorry, Maluda started. So we're 1-0 down against Stoke. Yeah. He brings on Miroslav Stock. Well, that's the other thing. Mikel, and Frankie DeSanto. Fuck. Franco De Santo was the first sub on for Maluda. Yeah. Um, then he brought on Giuliano Belletti and then Stock. And we were all going, what the fuck is that going to do? I mean, he had on the bench Ivanovic, who hadn't yet come good, Mancien and Kakuta yeah. that he could have used as well, which is fuck all, let's face and it. And who, who, um, who is not even on the bench? Terry injured himself in the warm-up, didn't he? I think he might have done. Yeah, Joe Cole. Joe Cole had just done his cruciate, but yeah, he had the operation the day before. I yeah. think they were saying on the commentary. But Drogba, of course, was yeah. having this steaming row with Scolari oh, at the time, and he that refused was the time to pick when him. We all wanted to kill Drogba, wasn't it? That was his low. Well, I don't. I don't remember it like that. I remember it as we completely hated Scolari for being a tit. I did, him. but I also remember Drogba lying down after ten minutes out of one game and doing that substitute hand gesture and just thinking, "What the yeah, well, fuck is wrong with like you?" Um, yeah. So that game, I we somehow i'm looking at those subs how did we pull that out well because frank lampard and as you said i mean that was i i remember this that very well and i think i think i can't remember what the results had been before that but um let's just have a quick look actually um, i'm just while you're doing that i'm remembering that lampard actually stomped around that pitch that day with a face like thunder because i was close to the pitch on that day and i can remember his face he was just absolutely disgusted with how that game was playing out and I don't remember I remember that we suddenly looked so much better after Belletti and we all thought where the fuck has this been but I think if you look about it look at it now dispassionately we had been on them the whole game um but it amped up after Belletti scored but just watching them all lie on the pitch having got what was coming to them for the whole 90 minutes was pretty epic yeah, I mean, we. The interesting thing about, I mean, basically that that win against Stoke was on the back of uh, a three nil defeat away to United, which yeah, I've, I've that man- actually is my lowest Chelsea moment. Yeah. I didn't mention that on my list here, but we can talk okay, about that. Okay, well, I, I I've managed to expunge that from my memory, but also it we'd been up and down, but we were losing to the decent side. So you know, we drew we drew at home to United that season. We lost uh, at home to Liverpool, uh, a rare occurrence these days. And we'd lost uh, at home to Arsenal, would you believe? Yeah. So, you know, and I remember it very well that, you know, the love affair with Scolari didn't last very long at all. And, and he started, ba- the, the, you know, if we, if we, it's really interesting looking at this time because actually there's a sense to me just looking at that match and, and the team sheet and everything else that this was another one of the first attempts, perhaps, of Roman to dispense with the old guard and bring in the new youngsters, in a sense. And, you know, actually, with hindsight, that's perhaps what Galari was trying to do. But as I said earlier on, this actually was probably, you know, you've got Pedacek, Ashley Cole, Ricky, Ricky Carvalho, Lampard. You've got Mikel, Michael Ballack, uh, you know, SEN's floating around as well at the same time. Mm. Uh, Anelka. Anelka. Well, yeah, I think a, a bit part in the whole scheme of things. You've got Lamps, obviously. Alex as well was of that age, wasn't he? Yeah, but you've still got Drogba around as well. I mean, this is the greatest team, arguably, in Chelsea's memory. And, of course, that's the season where we ended up getting mugged off by Barcelona in the mm-hmm. Champions League, where, you know, we should have should have gone to the, the Champions League final and arguably would have won it. Well, they that was... Um, we'll never believe that that was anything but a UEFA fit-up. They no. it, we, United had gone through the night before and they were faced with another Chelsea United final a second year in a row. No, and they, wanted, and they didn't yeah, want it. They didn't want because it. I have never felt so he- helpless at a football game and just thought there is nothing we can do because this man 
is not going to let us win. He's either been told not to let us win or he is not going to let us win. No one will ever convince me that that night wasn't totally fucking corrupt. No, I think that's the... I, I, one day it will be proved, I hope. But I, Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Actually, talking of the Champions League, um, another of your favourite matches actually does feature uh, the Champions League and that amazing, unbelievable uh, run to the final where we did beat Bayern Munich and another match that I was there, actually. So uh, the uh, the Napoli game, 2012 at home. Yeah, because all was lost after the... Well, pretty much lost after the first leg, wasn't it? It looked yeah. pretty fucking bleak after the first leg. Um, and we had uh, Napoli turn up and the atmosphere was just, despite the fact... That it was so. Hadn't they just Robbie had just come in, hadn't he? They'd literally fucked off AVB. Um, a- AVB, I think AVB went before the away leg. Um, in which in was Naples, then a disaster. Which we lost three, uh, three nil, wasn't it, or three one? I can't remember. Three one, I think. Three one, and then yeah. um, so Robbie was in charge now, and just the nobody gave us a prayer. No, and it was that bounce-back mentality of when you've just shit, got rid of a shit manager, um, which we've experienced Well, he brought he now. brought back in, again, you know, like Scolari, AVB had basically had a fight with Lampard, Cole, Ashley Cole particularly, Drogba again. You know, there was a ruck between the old guard, and he was trying to bring all these new players in. Of course, uh, you know, Robbie comes in and brings back Ashley Cole, and, you know, you've got Lampard, Drogba, everybody else there. And I, I always say this, that, that you know, we'd, we'd never have got through. We probably wouldn't have won the Champions League that year if Ashley Holt Cole hadn't cleared one off the line in the away leg because that, yeah. that would have been a 4-0 loss and nobody comes back from that. But nobody gave us a prayer, Alex, and there was a really weird atmosphere in the bridge that night, wasn't it? But it was like lockdown mentality. It was like it was belligerent and brilliant and... Um... Was no the sort of, it wasn't like when we went out, um, we were like the only a couple of seasons later or the season later when we went out as the only team to ever get yeah, 10 points in the yeah, group and that yeah. where everyone just sat there. I mean, in my housemate Russ sat behind me with mini bottles of Jack Daniels just <clears> to sleep, <throat> getting shit faced because there was just, we was just, uh, it's not going to happen. But this, there was just utter belligerence that we could do this and they made us believe. Uh, my memories of the night are um, the noise before kickoff. Mm. Um, Everybody was so up for it. Yeah, Robbie falling over and trying to style it out when we scored the first goal. (laughs) Um, And then the end of it is what I remember. I remember Drogba taking a free kick and trying to score with about five minutes to go and wanting to punch him in the face. 
Um, then I remember that he got dragged down by the neck and the fucking referee did yeah. nothing. And the commentator, I swear, said something like, what is this guy watching? And and obviously for us, everything, oh, it's Barcelona again. Because oh, we're like, we have a complete victim complex with stuff like that now, understandably. Um, and then extra time, uh, Torres was in, but the ball bounced really high. Um, wasn't his fault. It just, it, and he couldn't control it. Um, if it had bounced lower, I think he could have scored. Um, Ivanovic as well. Yeah. If, oh, I loved him. I did love him. Um, and then, but we were still in a position after that where if they'd have scored one goal, we'd have been out. Yeah. Um, but I don't remember them having a decent attempt after that. I just remember that our players would not let them through. I remember Drogba kind of squandered a chance to make it safe. But I don't remember, considering how ropey it was, feeling like they... they we're going to score. I just feel like our guys have decided you are not fucking getting through us. No, I ain't having it. And it was it. Well, it was done. Yeah, I think, I mean, check, check, uh, as he often did, had a blinder and he kept them out. I mean, they had, I mean, the, the thing that I, 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 watching the highlights, it's amazing what you forget, isn't it? But they had a lot of chances, but they didn't have their shooting boots on. So a lot of their no. efforts were either going right at check or going high and wide or whatever. But he did make some, some brilliance. Uh, it was, you know, I, I just, for me, it was such a surreal match because I, I didn't have a ticket because I had no money. My company had gone tits up not that long before and I had absolutely no money. And I, I literally got a ticket on the night from a mate who, who flogged it to me for 40 quid. And I only got that because I sold a couple of fancast T-shirts or whatever. And I was I was sat with him, lovely bloke, Dave, uh, from the Swindon Blues, and we were in the shed lower. And... You're right. I, I think it's one of the best atmospheres I've ever experienced at the bridge. Everybody was so up for it. It was electric. And there was a real belief. Why, I don't know when you think about it. But there was such a belief. And remember, remember, um, I think it was at half, at full time before the extra time. And they played uh, the Bob Marley song, Three Little Birds. And everybody around the ground sang it. It was quite, yeah. just a brilliant, brilliant night, wasn't it, I think. And that was the night where, we, you know, when you start to say sometimes a club's name is just written on yes. the trophy. Yes. That was when you started to believe. Yeah. And yeah. it was only the last 16, wasn't it? Well, we had... Uh, um, yeah, we had yeah because we had Benfica in the, in the quarter final, uh, which yeah. is kind of funny, isn't it? You know, everybody when you look at that campaign, obviously we remember the final, obviously we remember the Barcelona semi. I remember uh, nothing about either leg of Benfica. Yeah, exactly because Napoli, Napoli. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly. It was that. always going to be an anticlimax after that, wasn't it? Well, it was. I mean, we might as well, uh, you know, segue straight in because I kind of cheat because I, I know the answers here, people, because they're all in front of me. But let's let's segue straight to what your best Chelsea moment is because it, it comes a few matches later, doesn't it? Uh, oh, do you know what? And I've changed it. Oh, I actually, oh, well, Stewart's Munich, inquiry. Munich, obviously. <laughs> yeah, but obviously. do you know what? I think it was so geniusly done that um, when I saw the order of the penalties, I was like, what are they doing? And then I realised it dawned on me like a ray of light. They've done it so that Drogba is the fifth penalty taker. And I thought, he stepped up for that penalty. And like I'm, I have been, my mother predisposed me to be terrible with penalty shoots up, shootouts. I remember Italia 90, she took me around the block because she couldn't watch. Um and I then have become a complete pussy when it comes to watching penalty shootouts. But I was totally calm when I saw him walking up. I just turned to the person next to me and said, there is no way this man, with this man's ego, would not withstand missing this penalty. This is written. There is no way this man is going to miss. And I've never been so calm when a penalty's been taken all my life. I just waited for it to roll into the net, which is so unlike me. I just thought this moment, fifth man, drug bar, after the two penalties he's given away in the running in this competition he's just not gonna miss and he didn't um so actually I think the best Chelsea moment because we is the Barcelona so we had been watching um what the, another, the, the new camp the away the way leg the shit show um of fucking Alexis making the biggest deal ever out of a silly move by John Terry um, and pretending he was dying um Messi failing to score Ramirez bringing it. I mean, Ramirez is the one that put us through, isn't he? But just Gary Neville's meltdown and that long ball to Torres. And you just thought, not even this schmuck can fuck this up. 
and I just remember because I didn't go to Barcelona. I remember my brother went. Full where, where were you watching it? In, in the living room at home, <laughs> right. and my brother went full Hulk and lifted the sofa up and threw it on its side when it went in. And I remember that uh, my football dad, John, I had spoken to him at half time, and he had turned it off in disgust and walked upstairs. And uh, he had just about, I think, his son got to him after Ramirez's goal, and he had it back on, I think for Torres um and we just we called each other straight away so yeah I mean I, I like I mean I wasn't there either but I, I watched it in the hand and flower with uh, the usual suspects and uh I think it's possibly the most tense I mean Eve I mean I don't know the, the final was tense I think that has to be the most tense but it's very there's a cigarette paper between them it was just so tense and I was in a foul mood it was one of those mm. matches where you hate everybody and everything I mean, how many people you know switched it off well, after Terry got sent off just because it was like, oh, here we go again, Barcelona. Exactly. Well, I was going to say, Alex, I, I couldn't switch it off because I was in a pub. Mm. So I did the next best thing, which was to stomp out in a foul mood and go and have a fag. Uh, yeah. So basically, every time something bad happened, I did that. And every time that happened, something good happened while I was outside having a fag. So I walked in having a slight glimpse of the Ramirez goal and got absolutely covered in beer because the whole place just erupted and went mental. Mm. And I'm walking back to my seat and I got so... I was absolutely drenched in beer. So I just got a glimpse of uh, of that amazing goal by Ramirez. But brilliant night, wasn't it? Absolutely brilliant oh, it was night. Epic. It was brilliant. We're very lucky to have witnessed all these things. Um, and of course, we've been very unlucky as Chelsea supporters to witness some absolutely foul and shit things. Uh, do any come to mind for you? Uh, that United game you Which mentioned. Which I, I don't remember at all. Because I, rem- I went, um, and it was the first time I'd ever been to Old Trafford, and I went with a friend, Big Ed, um, and we went up to Manchester under our own steam, not with the club, um, and it was my the worst football day of my life, not only because all the players looked fat and uninterested, um, and Scolari looked so fucking terrible and clueless, uh, but I got, I got punted um, <laughs> full on in the back by some racist mank on the way out, um, and then had to queue for hours to get a tram back to central Manchester. Oh, it was horrible. Hated it. The worst day of my football in life. And not only because of the result. Hated it. Yeah. I, I, we I just ha- were utterly clueless. But what goes around comes around because I was stood in nigh on the same spot when Drogba was offside, offside and scored that goal. Oh, well, there we go. Later. So, yeah. In that the, was another great moment. I mean, I, you know, you're right. There's nothing worse than going to Old Trafford away if you lose because it's the worst journey back because it just takes hours to get away from that godforsaken place and it's just yeah. miserable. Um, I mean, I, I went up there for the quarterfinal. Uh, is it the quarterfinal of the Champions League? when We lost? Oh, I mean, that was, we were on the club coach for that. Yeah. The M6 got shut. Yeah. Uh, there wouldn't delay kickoff for all the fans. Yeah. We got in 25 minutes into the game to be sat in the gods. I just Old Trafford does not have many good memories no, for me. Just... No, there you go. I don't think I've ever seen us win up there. And considering we have a really good a good record up there, actually, that's quite a surprise. Yeah. Um, but there we go. Um, any other you know low points as a Chelsea fan? Uh, low point... Probably when Liverpool went ahead in that. So this this is my a low point, a high point, and a surreal point is that two that Champions League fixture against Liverpool. So they went ahead and just thinking we've come all this way and we're going to have to listen to this forever now. Um, but then obviously Ivanovic showed up and scored two goals yeah. and created one of my best moments. And the four all at the Bridge, yeah. I. I had at no point, right, so the people behind me decided to smoke the most pungent spliffs known to man for the <laughs> that game. And I had to watch it again because I had no fucking comprehension of, because they kept scoring and it kept changing whether we were going through, whether we were getting knocked out, whether we were winning, whether they were winning. It was all highly emotional because Frank Lampard's mum had died mm. um, and then he scored. And I just, I remembered at the time I had no clue what was going on. I have vague memories of having the munchies on the way home and stopping <laughs> at 24 hour Tesco's with my free flag. And at that season, Messi was on the front of the Pro Evolution soccer box. Yeah. Trying to make him kiss the Chelsea flag in Tesco. Go on, go on, kiss your flag, you silly little man. And the Tesco <laughs> staff asking me to move on if I wasn't going to buy anything. Oh, uh, so, yeah, that was probably my most surreal Chelsea moment. And then waking up the next morning, remember we got one over on them yeah. um, and highly enjoying it sort of yeah. 12 hours later. Yeah, brilliant stuff. All right, uh, let's kind of bring it up to date, as it were, um, you know, because quite a lot of water, no pun intended, has gone under the bridge since then. Um, Favourite modern Chelsea players? 
current current players really current players uh you know that i met with rudiger on the last game before lockdown started um, for off-pitch reasons with um a little boy that absolutely is in love with him who um has been through a domestic violence situation um and doesn't do too well and we took him to meet his absolute idol and he wept um and Rudiger not only came out to meet him, but had thought about what had happened to him and talked to him and told him about some things that had happened to him and why it's okay to be scared and why it's okay to be frightened um, of what's going to happen and not know what's going to happen. And it makes me tearful just thinking about it because he got this little boy and he spoke to this little boy like he was his brother. And bless him, the, the kid that we took, um, his crutch, if you like, is hedgehogs. He collects little hedgehog figurines. And he knew that it was Rudiger's birthday that week. And he had bought his favourite little hedgehog. And he had asked Rudiger, will you take this as a birthday present? And Rudiger gave him his shirt from the day, an unworn one, but he'd written a message from him in the back. And he said, I, I'm going to treasure this. And it was very sweet. And he left. But then as he left, he come back and shouted back down the pitch at the little boy's name. And he just took the little hedgehog and kissed it. And he said, this is coming with me to every game from now on. And he put it in his little wash bag and stuff. And I just thought sometimes there's more to being a footballer than what you do on the pitch. And that man has changed that little boy's life. Um, I got a picture the next day of uh, him, he went to bed with this Rudiger shirt on that Rudy had given him um, and he has changed his world. And wow. I just, that is the power of football beyond what you do on the pitch. So I have a massive amount of respect for Rudiger. I have a massive amount of respect for William and for, uh, for how long he's been at the club. Um, he gets a lot of shit. I think he doesn't deserve. He's not my favorite player, but it irks me that people forget things like him carrying us for half a season. Um, also, as well, he had some shit going on, man. His mum died a horrible, painful death many thousands of miles away, and that, and they are human beings. I have a massive amount of respect for Olivier Giroud and Willy Caballero for how they conduct themselves when they don't get picked all the time. Uh, they don't bitch, they don't moan, they just work hard. Uh, I love Dave. I think Dave is an example on the pitch. Um, I think for... We were spoiled. We had three captains, four captains at once with Czech, Ivanovic, Balak, uh, mm, can't say his name, Lampard, Terry, um, and someone had to take over from that. And I think Dave is the example you want to see on the pitch as a captain. Quiet leader. Even if he doesn't have that. John Terry never stopped screaming, never stopped shouting, never stopped organising. Um, Dave does do that, but he's not John Terry at doing that. But what he does have is the other half. I think whoever followed Terry was going to have a really tough time. Um, and Cahill and Dave, I think, did the best that they were able, that was in them to do. And I think that it was an acceptable best. And I don't think they should be punished for not being a once-in-a-generation leader like John Terry. I think you're... I mean, it's it's really lovely to be talking to you about this because, of course, you're, you know, in your day job, being a historian and... You know, your knowledge of uh, military history in particular, then you, you've come across a lot of, I mean, you know, if ever there's a, a an environment where leadership has to matter, it is in warfare and, and, and military history is rife with that. And I think it's fascinating to talk to you about this because I agree with you. And I, I think, yeah, you know, whoever came after JT was going to find it hard. But I think actually, in a sense, Gary Cahill to a degree, but certainly Dave are the perfect leaders you wanted after JT because they are so fundamentally different. I think I think Dave, uh, you know, I, I always get the impression that the entire team respect him because he's a thoroughly decent human being, and yes. actually you can lead people by being thoroughly decent. You know that yeah. that in itself is inspiring to people. There's different kinds of leadership. Yes. There's the all all guns blazing John Terry kind of leadership which he's a once in a generation leader. Um, but that doesn't mean he's the only good leader. And like you say, there are other types of leader. And I don't, I, Gary Cahill, again, was a really decent man yeah, and a really decent human being. And I don't think that you don't always have to scream and shout. I'm not saying that John Terry made up for being, he's not an awful human being, but it, it I'm not saying that he screamed and shouted because he isn't as good a man as those. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that people have different kinds of personalities and there are different kinds of leader. Well, uh, to put it another way, you you would uh, maybe you'd appreciate this analogy. In a sense, you 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 would follow JT over the top 
because you would be scared of what would happen to you from him if you didn't. You would follow Dave over the top because you knew it would be the right thing to do. Yeah. And I think for similar reasons, if you had a problem, you could go to either of them as well. I just think they're very different personalities. um, And that's not a bad thing. Like you're saying, that's not, it doesn't mean they both can't be good. I think it's worked out well, actually. And I, I agree with you. I, well, I mean, you know, we live in that world now where everybody gets scrutinised 24-7 and, and everybody has a flaming opinion about it and they can publish it on Twitter or what have you. But I, 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 it does disappoint me that a lot of our players undeservedly get a huge amount of stick and, and I think Dave is up there and William, actually, for that matter. I agree with you. And I, and I so love, love the fact that you love Rudiger because I do too. And to hear stories like that, I can't hear enough stories like that. And I think I'll send people you, I've need got to hear that. I've got a video of the moment that little the, yeah. he walked out the tunnel and I just, that little boy, he's 10 um, and he's had a really tough few years and um, just to see his, I, I don't remember what that was like and I'm not a little boy. I wasn't a little boy, but I remember having a hero like that. Yeah. And um, you got I'm Graham, glad you got Graham Lasso. I got Graham Lasso, <laughs> but this, I'm, I, I'm not going to name him. I, this little boy, his absolute hero, who he worships and adores turned up and totally rocks his world. And I just when I had no idea about the whole hedgehog thing until he got it out. And just Rudiger didn't just politely say thank you and that. He just said, this is going to be my thing now. This is gives me strength and just like they give you strength. I don't know. It's, the little boy is like his spirit animal. They make him feel better, his little hedgehogs. They make him feel stronger. He likes that they're spiky on the outside, but soft on the inside. He just there's a there's a process in his head yeah, that it definitely. sounds bizarre to an adult, but to a ten year old boy who's looking for something to support him through something like that, um, that's what makes him feel stronger and makes him feel better. And for this guy, not only to say yeah, cheers, and put it in his pocket, but to say this is going to be my crutch too. We have this together between us, um, and stay in touch. I want to see you again. And yeah, it was incredible. Just. So, I mean, you know, it was Steve that made it happen, but everyone at Chelsea that day, I mean, they, they ended up in the director's lounge and they hanging out and just everybody was absolutely adorable to them. And yeah, they're just this is a family that, that he had only ever before this day stood outside Stamford Bridge in awe and wonder and stared from the outside because it's not something that they get to do. So, and then we got locked down straight away, but that, that's the last Lovely game. Lovely way to, to go in a way. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, as you said, I mean, really good quite possibly change that kid's life which is a very powerful thing um i wouldn't ever claim to say that uh chelsea songs have the power to change people's lives well maybe they do in perhaps not a good way but yeah maybe get them fired jobs well well, exactly i know well there we go very very pertinent and political uh but spot on as ever alex um i've got to be honest with you you know one of one of the reasons I, i i love football as much as i do and chelsea in particular obviously uh, and why I'm very kind of worried that it might not ever be the same again. It, it, I'm I'm really not enamoured of the whole thing being played behind closed doors. Because for me, as you know, the whole experience for me is about being with you lot, having a few beers, but also actually singing. I think that's mm. what marks football out so fundamentally different from all other sports is the way that you can get you know, so many people singing some hilarious songs, some stupid songs, some really violently awful songs but the, the it, it's a way to bring people together there's some there's something we talked about the military earlier on didn't we we talked about band of brothers and an easy company sometimes mm-hmm. you, you you know it's that kind of really weird kind of bond that you have with a group of people that are going through a shared experience and for me that's what you know proper 3000 people away for example all belting out the same i mean that's why my favorite song is fuck em all you know, because it's yeah. just mass defiance or or just singing Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea endlessly because I know how much it annoys people. But that, but if you're doing that with 3,000 people, there's something so powerful about that. And that's really why I love it. Anyway, I've gone off on one, as I often do. What's your favourite song, Alex? Um, <laughs> that's fine. Go for it, Chidge. Because uh, I've got like a label. I, lo- I like the Willie Ann song because it's imaginative. Um, yes, it mentions Tottenham, but it's relevant. Um but I love that the story behind it is that he shat all over them and stole their error. <laughs> I just think it's brilliant. I don't think there'll ever be another song like it where instead of just being 
vilely insulting about a team you don't like having genuine cause to rub their faces in something like that um it's, it's, a it's got everything a, hasn't it once in a lifetime opportunity yeah and the fact that he dances along to it as well i did love florin maluda's song and i oh, loved how yeah. much he loved it yeah. and used to dance along to Wh- it. which one which one Florin maluda luda, luda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um i also i've seen william dance cheekily on the slide to his song like when we've been celebrating winning a trophy or something like that um I liked Ivanovich's. Yes, uh, I yes. did. Do you know what one that I love? Because when you hear it, I just think if you're a player, it doesn't matter how dim you are, because some footballers aren't <laughs> If you hear everyone going, come on, Chelsea, come on, Chelsea, that is the fans telling you, enough now, get your fucking shit together. This is terrible. Because um, it's the way that we, as 3,000 people um, en masse um, at an away game, yeah, if we're away, can communicate the fact that we're not happy with them and they're going to hear that and they just know, oh, no, we've <laughs> got I, the ump with us. I, 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 I can ratchet that up a notch, actually. I think the best example of what you're talking about, uh, I remember when we were, that year with, the, the, the year of hell with Mourinho, when we were utter dross. And uh, I can't, uh, Goose was probably back in charge. He always is, isn't he, when, when we fire somebody. And we were at Bournemouth away and we had Spurs the next week. And uh, we basically sang, beat fucking Tottenham. You better beat fucking yeah. Tottenham. And, <laughs> yeah. But it was said, oh. it was sung with such menace that you would have had I to actually... have been the most so, most self-unaware football in the world not to understand the message that was being meted out. If you had to make me pick 30 seconds of sheer, unadulterated fucking joy, it would be... And I actually... So on History Hack the other day, we debated the greatest battle in British history. And I said the Battle of the Bridge. And I said, there's a 30-second span between when that ball hit the outside of Hazard's foot and went in the back of the net. And he flew past the Tottenham fans, rubbing their face in it. And we single-handedly began the demise of their title hopes that 30 seconds was just sheer unadulterated joy and you could see that it was for him too he got that I I don't think he understood why he hated Tottenham but it was like okay I get it I hate Tottenham and he did it and he hated Tottenham and I loved him for it well said in said in the old cheesy Heineken ad voiceover styley only football can do this (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that moment uh Brilliant. Uh, brilliant as, as you have been as well, Alex. Now, because I love you, uh, spend as much time as you like plugging all the amazing things that you're doing at the moment. Oh, please come on and listen to History Hack. So I decided to get involved in podcasting as well during lockdown. And we've been putting out a daily history podcast. Uh, and it's gone mental. We've gone from naught to 75,000 downloads in two months. Um, we've had... Historians on like Bethany Hughes, Mary Beard, Dan Snow, Dan Jones. Uh, and then we started doing these mad tie-ins because I just thought I'd ask nicely if Sean Bean wanted to come on and talk about Sharp. And he went, okay, or something in a Yorkshire accent. All right, love. Um, his agent sorted it out and said, yeah, actually, he never agrees to stuff like this, but he's really keen to reminisce. Um, and we brought him on. Uh, then we got in touch with Owen Griffith, uh, the guy from Liar, and did one about Hornblower. Uh, and then we thought, oh, let's try Band of Brothers. Maybe we can get four or five of the smaller actors. And we ended up with all historians discussing it, uh, all the families of the Easy Company guys, and 23 cast members, including most of the main people, um, talking about what it was like and we ended up with a four-part cast reunion so there's it doesn't matter what part of history you're into there's something on there now for you i'm really so we did uh, a bit of pirates last night down the pub and there's a pirate historian coming back on and next week we interview a paleontologist so dinosaurs people dinosaur history how exciting is that uh, but yeah there's world war one world war two european history american history we did a weekend of that um conspiracy shit uh laughing at the nazis who doesn't like laughing at the nazis um loads of stuff so yeah yeah, um, i can vouch for the fact they are absolutely brilliant and you probably don't know this because i mean i should apologize really actually i I need to send you all a whatsapp group because clearly i'm I'm not getting most of you involved with the the current chelsea fan cast and that's largely because we're we're talking about ancient ancient history so i'm having to get people who are decrepit and old enough to have actually been there rather than the youngsters among you but i will get you all back soon uh, but i have been plugging the history hack every week religiously on your behalf Yay! 
So there you go. But where can people get it? Remind people www.historyhack.podbean.com or it's on Spotify, it's on Apple. We're trying to sort out Google, but that appears to be a ball lake. Um, it's everywhere, basically. All right, so you can get it from all the, all, all your podcast distributors. Yes, uh, and we have come follow us on Twitter because that's where most of our stuff goes out. We do have Facebook as well and Instagram, although Alina runs that and I don't have a clue. Mm. Um, yeah, so we've got some great stuff coming Lovely. up, some great sporting stuff. We've already debated uh, one of the down the pubs was we did a, a fantasy football team from across the ages um aaron paul's on that aaron paul and suburban guna chris rowing about Vieira was absolutely hysterical um yeah it was great Excellent. and uh we did another one about what did we do the oh, with the football history boys we did one about the 10 most important moments in football mm. history um and we've been talking to you haven't we about doing some more sport. yeah we'll hopefully do some things absolutely yeah. and as i said hopefully we'll get you back on the the fan cast uh, actually you know funny enough you were the inspiration for me not bothering with any of most of the usual suspects on the fan cast because you, you basically fell asleep when we were talking about the 1970 season and we had you on <laughs> i tried but i just like it was ugh. You kind of Before, like you, I think you said to me, "Why my am I?" My mum was still at school. You said, "Why am I here, Chidge? I hadn't been born yet." I was it. I loved. You know, I absolutely loved listening to Tony and the joy it brought back yeah, to him to talk yeah. about watching that final and that. It was sweet, but when you're going into the ins and outs of the seasons and stuff, yeah, it was it was beyond me. Like I said, my mum was still at school, but listening to Tony and J.K. just relive the joy of that cup final was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're we're at uh, I think we're seventy six, seventy seven next week so we're beginning to that was a good year and then after then it's downhill you're gonna slide aren't you yeah (laughs) i actually because i'm a morbid sort of personality anyway i actually really love that so i can't wait to that's what i've noticed about history hack is that people love crapping on other people (laughs) doing other people's pain so listening to jk suffer re-suffer the 80s early 80s at chelsea would be quite fun there is a bit of that alex as always you've been an absolute superstar uh thank you so so much i really really enjoyed this and uh, i hope to see you very very soon you Take care and you stay safe. Yeah, you too. Love you, Chidge. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.